my name's Jo and I work at uh, Norfolk and Norwich Millennium Library and um, as part of that job um, I work for Norfolk Heritage Centre and, and help them with their LGBTQ history collections and we've also been doing some LGBTQ history walks as well. Um, we really, for LGBTQ History Month, really wanted to get some um, walks together um, online. So this is part of the very start of it. Um, my friend, um, James Watts, who's also a historian and part of the LGBTQ community is here to help as well. And um, we're going to start our walk today um, outside the Forum in Norwich. So that's the Norfolk and Norwich Millennium Library. And um, we will start there. And if you, if you imagine you're standing with your back to the forum, um, that's where we're going to start our walk. Please feel free to pause the recording at any moment if you want to just take a, take a look at anything or think a little bit more about the different places we're going to, but we're going to start now. So where we're standing now, um, outside the Forum, um, used to be a street called Lady Lane. And um, that was actually, there was an old theatre tavern along there, and it was stopped up in 1799 at one end because it was apparently a nursery of vice and debauchery. Um, so, uh, and also on the corner of Lady Lane, there was a, a pub called the Shakespeare, I believe, which was on 19 Theatre Street. That was open from 1822 to 1960. And uh, James has actually been doing quite a lot of um, investigations into the Shakespeare pub, which um, is, is no more, unfortunately. But I'll hand over to James to talk a little bit more about the Shakespeare. Thanks very much, Joe. So, yes, the Shakespeare is quite important really in terms of it being the first um, pub where people met for same-sex liaisons, the first gay pub in Norwich if you like, um, and uh, it's in an interesting area because it's near the Theatre Royal and uh, in a number of places, uh, gay, gay bars, gay pubs, same-sex meeting places um, were often linked to the theatrical community. Um, it's also an area that had some notoriety in the Victorian period. So uh, Chapelfield Gardens was open uh, in the Victorian period as a place for um, public access, public walks, uh, taking fresh air. And certainly in the 1860s, it had a reputation uh, for attracting ladies of the night, uh, as we know from a number of uh, accounts of the time, um, which uh, also sort of begs the question if, uh, in a similar way to places like St James's Park in London and other public parks, it could also have attracted gentlemen of the night. Uh, maybe not something that we can never directly find out, but uh, something, you know, perhaps that, that gives us a sense that this area, the theatre quarter around uh, the area of the Shakespeare, had a bit of a history going on um, when it came to slightly what was seen in those days as transgressive uh, behaviour. So um, the Shakespeare itself, as Joe says, was at the end of Lady Lane, one of the little medieval lanes that existed um, before the uh, the uh, 1960s uh, library, central library was built. And um, 
the uh, the Shakespeare itself uh, appears to have been around for quite a while. Um, in around sort of the uh, 1920s or 1928, the then uh, landlady uh, or proprietress is reported for uh, what looks like having a lock-in after hours. Uh, so, you know, there's a sense that perhaps it, it, uh, things might have been going on there. By the, but what's really interesting is the 1930s, we have some uh, memoirs left behind by um, uh, Vernon, Dade, who is the, whose father, Stanley Dade, was the final publican there between 1932 and 1960 when it finally closed. And uh, in the late 30s, he says that uh, what was then uh, the uh, Norwich City Constabulary would uh, make visits on a Saturday night uh, with six foot tall sergeants, uh, if you can believe it, uh, walking in and quizzing the customers about what they were up to. Now, this was because the pub was already known as a venue uh, for homosexuals. And um, the uh, uh, one of the things that apparently used to go on there was that uh, people would sing fairly risque versions of Noel Coward songs, which of course were popular in the, in the 30s and for some time thereafter. And um, I think the, th the, uh, the account tells us that uh, this took place on two levels in the building. There was, uh, people would sing along in the main bar downstairs and there was also a kind of a minstrels gallery level where people could join in from as well above. And um, so this was going on uh, in the late 1930s before the second world war. Um, and at that time, uh, between the two world wars, between 1918 and 1939. Um, it's really the first clear indication we get of a, an organised scene developing outside of London in places like Dover, Cambridge, uh, Brighton and so on. So it's interesting that Norwich also seems to have developed a little bit of a scene uh, by the late 1930s, if not slightly before. And um, during the war, it was then sort of became a, a pub for the uh, American uh, armed forces when they were visiting. And as soon as the war finished in 1945, uh, it apparently went straight back to being a gay pub again, which it was until uh, it was closed on the 30th of May, 1960. And we have one or two uh, photos uh, now in the Norfolk Heritage Centre that give you an idea of what the inside actually looked like. Um, the uh again i mean we do still have one person in norwich who remembers going in there uh possibly the very last person who remembers going in there uh in the 50s uh when there were still sort of two bars and uh it also remembers a kind of raucous time people having a knees up and, and singing so um it's it's really interesting that we have a a tradition of uh of venues like that going back at least 80 years with, who knows, with further research, we might find, back, find that it goes even further back, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a good sort of beginning, I think, for us.
over to you, Joe. Oh, thanks, James. I love the amount of research you've done on that place. I know it's one of your particular favourites and it's uh, it's um, quite tricky to find any more information, but those are all histories that people have shared with us, um, both of us actually, with um, throughout the kind of area have been essential in, our, in both of our studies, I think, as well. So um, part of those um, oral histories actually have framed some of our, our um, history walks, haven't they really, James? I That's think, right, yes. Yeah, with, without some of these, um, you know, uh, verbatim kind of stories, we, we wouldn't have half the walks that we do. So I'm really grateful for everyone that's that's done that. And I know everyone has enjoyed the walks in the past. Um, now we're gonna we're gonna turn right. So if you've still got your back to if you've still got your back to the um, forum, turn right now and um, just as if you're going to go over the pedestrian crossing, if you just look down the hill to Marks and Spencers, um, that used to be a Woolworth, and apparently um, the 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 Woolworths used to have a cafe. Um, so if you can see where Marks and Spencers is now, um, where the where the entrance is to the food hall, I believe that was the entrance where you'd go in for the cafe for Woolworths, and um, the toilets there used to be a cottage apparently. And um, someone used to have a be a lookout at the bottom of the stairs, and um, let let folks know if it was safe to go up or come back down, and and so on and so forth. So um, yeah, that that's quite interesting. That we've got quite a bit of history at the Heritage Centre about uh, Woolworths. If you want to um, know any more about it, but um, it was actually originally destroyed by the Blitz um, in World War Two in 1942, and then rebuilt in the 1950s and then moved to the old spot in the 1980s. So that's the spot on, um, where was Woolworths? And on St. Stephen's, I guess, it then moved up to there. So that's one little bit of history there. But if you look straight across now, um, across the pedestrian crossing, you can see a building called Map. Now, you might have to look beyond the car park. Um, it's a green sign and it says MAP, and that's the Mancroft Advice Project. And that's a, a project for young people under 25, sort of the age of 10 upwards. Uh, and it's behind the Assembly House and the Theatre Royal. And in there, they offer advice for young people. But um, why, why I'm talking about it now is they have um, a service there called Evolve, which is for trans individuals to help them um, there, but we have a really rich history of um, support for trans people within Norfolk with Barbara um, Ross founding Oasis over 30 years ago, and she was a social worker and um, she set up her own group and I think it was one of the only ones outside of London that was ha um, having monthly meetings um, for people so um, and offering advice and support for all, all kinds and it, it at the time and um, the, the details we have it's support for transgender transvestite transsexual or cross-dresser which is the terms that were obviously used in in the day then but um it's quite unique and and barbara ross recently died unfortunately but um i've spoken to quite a few people who um have benefited from this the support that she individually offered but also that the group offered as well so um 
I know we haven't moved very far on our walk yet, but and, and we're not going to move much further either, because right next to MAP is the Assembly House. Now, what a beautiful building that is. We're very lucky to have it here. Um, and there's, there's a story behind that as well, because there was a, a gentleman called Oliver Messel um, during the war. Um, he was one of the foremost stage designers of the 20th century. And during the Second World War, um, he used the main rooms um, to make camp. It was a camouflage school, basically. He was teaching people how to camouflage things. Um, so um, he he was known as a as a gay man, and um, yeah, he was he was well known within the, on the stage and everything like that. So he um, he actually had some funding to his work was funded by the shoe manufacturers, I think originally, um, to to do everything like that. So um, that's a little bit of history that we have. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other things as well because there was the Nouvelle gallery in the Nouveau Theatre behind there as well. Um, I, I do often wonder, Joe, on that if uh, uh, Oliver Messel ever visited the Shakespeare because he'd be so close. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, he, he yeah, it was, it was during the war that he would have been there, wasn't it? So, and it was virtually, it, was a, it would have been across the road. So it seems impossible that he wouldn't have gone unless he was teetotal or... <laughs> you know who knows but right next door to that of course we have our lovely lovely theatre royal um so um the very first theatre royal was built there in 1758 and then it actually got a, a license a royal consent license in 1768 because before that they were all called playhouses but it was the first theatre it was purpose-built theatre the second purpose-built theatre in the whole country actually um, and um, unfortunately there was a fire in 1934 I think it was um, and then the second theatre royal almost as it is now 1935 I think it was rebuilt and there's been several kind of constructions to it since then but um, someone mentioned quite a bit about kind of um, you know the tradition in Britain as well of pantos and it's a tradition in Norfolk that everyone goes to the Theatre Royal to go to Panto. And I think that's quite uh, quite a unique thing we have in Britain, isn't it? As having the pantomime dame and, you know, there's it's not very many similar things in different countries. So, um, and also of course, you know, that the, the people who are involved with the Theatre Royal as well, not, not just the different actors that have tread the boards and things like that. Um, it's a very inclusive place to be. I don't know if you've got anything to add to the Theatre Royal, James? Just, uh, I mean, certainly we know from the 70s, uh, well, I've already talked about before that, uh, the connection to the Shakespeare in the past, but certainly from the 70s onwards, I think we, we both found uh, people who were connected to the Theatre Royal who said they found it a very gay-friendly place to be. Yeah. And uh, very welcoming and people like the, the late great Dick Condon uh, mm -hmm. who really sort of built the Theatre Royal up in the you know in the 70s 80s 90s uh, was a very supportive man in, in that respect as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then we're, we're going up to, we're walking a little bit further along now. So we are really getting into our walking now. We're going up to Chapelfield Gardens, which James mentioned a little while ago. Um, unfortunately, I've got to tell you not something not so nice about um, the Chapelfield Gardens, and it's to do with the toilets, which were um, sometimes used as a cottage. Um, in the 90s, the police um, in Norfolk were particularly um, aggressive, let's say, in their um, way of dealing with um, cottages, uh, particularly in Norfolk. And um, they decided to put fibre optic cameras into the toilets um, in Chapelfield Gardens and the same in the conge toilets in Great Yarmouth as well. Um, we've got evidence of this in our lesbian and gay news archives, which you can find um, in the Norfolk Heritage Centre and also at Bishopsgate. Um, Institute as well if you if you want to know but actually because of all of the exposure that was in the papers about this as well unfortunately some people did commit suicide because they were named um, and uh, if they'd been um, caught in the toilets so I'm sorry that was quite a depressing thing but actually it's just a, a fact of the times that um, people you know a lot of people moved away from Norfolk because of that um, harsh policing in the area. I, I do have a slightly lighter story to do with those toilets as well, Joe. Um, the, so there was one uh, very famous venerable gentleman uh, who um, lived quite nearby in uh, Ninham's Court in the past and um, was once uh, need, you know, frequenting the, uh, the toilets of Chapelfield Gardens, noticed the police were outside keeping an eye on people. I think this was in the 70s possibly, uh, or maybe earlier. And uh, in his best sort of British Indian Army voice, which is he'd served overseas during the war, uh, said, I can tap the policeman on the shoulder and said to him in a very clipped tone, I can assure you, officer, I know exactly what you're doing. And I am, have no intention of undertaking any nefarious activity in that toilet. And uh, apparently sort of anybody, uh, you know, who was around for about 300 yards would have heard him. So <laughs> he was a very good kind of warning sign at, at that point in time. But uh, uh, that's, a, that's a slightly funny story to do with the uh, oh, toilets. That's, that's lovely. And also Ninham's Court is the next place we're going to actually. And uh, when we actually went on our walk, we realised there are little steps down. So if you just walk, if you carry on walking along with Chapelfield Gardens on your left, and then you keep on the right hand side of the road there, there there's a little um, courtyard you can go down called Ninham's Court. If you want to access it, you have to kind of go all the way around and but it, it comes out the other way on Bethel Street. Um, but if you do want to go, it's number six Ninham's Court. And um, what's uh, what there's a couple of things important about Ninham's Court actually. Um, Walter Nugent Monk um, set up the um, who set up the Madam Market Theatre lived there and um, put on the first plays. The Norwich Players were founded, or the Guild of Nor Norwich Players, it's called there, um, in 1911. And they used to have eight amateur actors and they used to manage to house in this wonderful building. If you get to see, you kind of have to peer over the wall a little bit at the moment, I think. And it looks like they're going to be doing some work there as well, hopefully, because it looks like a fantastic building. Um, but they used to be able to have an audience there of 70 persons. Uh, now, Walter Nugent Monk was a gay man and, um, and uh you know, I, I don't think it was any big secret at the time either, but um, he went on, as I say, to found the Madden Market Theatre, but, but prior to that, he he rented um, off 
the Crown Brewery on King Street, the music house, and that's where he moved from Ninham's Court. But um, someone else, I believe, who used to be part of Norwich Centre Group um, went to um, went to Ninham's Court and stayed there. And I believe uh, you've been there, haven't you, James? I have. Well, I've been in the house that you're talking about. It's a lovely Elizabethan house. And um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I am very much hoping it's going to be uh, revitalised and renovated because it's an incredible kind of Tudor survival from the 16th century um, and when I uh, used to go there uh, it was uh, owned by the late Roy Danes who actually is the gentleman I was talking about a bit earlier but uh, was a great character and apparently um, used to also put on uh, or be linked to theatrical productions that went on there um, but he lived there himself uh, for a number of decades and was a you know great supporter of the community um, and a very well-educated man and um, I have very fond memories of going there and meeting him and, and you know walking up this incredible old creaky wooden steps I mean everything about it was authentic 500 years old and uh, he had books and papers everywhere bit like I do sometimes and uh but uh really an amazing man and uh you know so I think I was very privileged to to meet him and also to go inside that amazing building and I really hope that the city sort of takes good care of it for years to come and whoever is lucky enough to live there in the future oh it's wonderful kind of Tudor looking building isn't it so fingers crossed for that I did slightly mention the uh, Norwich Centre group actually there uh, for a moment so that those of you who don't know it was a group that was um, set up in the uh, at number 71 the uh, Cathedral Close um, and it was um, the first kind of um, I don't know, gay support group I think you'd call it um, and, and that was set up I believe in the 70s early 70s um but we can talk about that and another time but that was um a well supported group um it, within norwich um so anyway when we when we come past so that was number six ninham court if you're still stuck on ninham court thinking which house are they talking about and looking over different people's walls you then have to carry on going down down the court a little bit and then you come out onto bethel street and when you're on bethel street if you turn right and walk past the Coach and Horses pub, which I bet as well as was used a lot of times by um, people coming out of the theatre and cer certainly in recent history as well. Um, but we don't have any you know, evidence about that. And, uh, but we'd, what we do know a little bit further up and across the road, uh, there's a building called the Greenhouse. And, um, and th this is where um, ACT UP made their UK posters. And ACT UP was um, an, agents, an agency, a group that um, did, did basically political action for AIDS support. Um, so, and also the Gay Outdoors Club used the address, that address as well, um, the local Gay Outdoors Club. But um, those posters, um, Tigger, who runs the greenhouse, he's, he's pretty sure those original posters that were made for the ACT UP kind of protests um, were, um, are somewhere still to be found. And of course, with the recent um, television show, um, oh, what's it called? 
the um it's a, sin. it's a sin that's it sorry gosh it's escaped me then i can't believe that um there's been a lot more interest around the aids crisis and i don't actually think a lot of people who aren't of my own generation who are slightly younger actually realized how much the aids crisis kind of affected everybody but obviously particularly uh, particularly um, gay men and the communities involved um, we're going to take a little bit further bit of a walk along now. So past uh, the greenhouse, just before you get to the police station there on your left, there's a, li there's a little gap through um, before you get to um, Norwich, the police station on Bethel Street. And um, through the gap there, you'll be able to see, doesn't look very interesting at, at the moment, it's St Giles car park. But um, years ago, it was the Hippodrome Theatre. And uh, that's a fantastic theatre that was um, unfortunately demolished. There is a little blue plaque there now to say that it was there. But um, again, there's, we've had quite a lot of um, kind of verbatim stories that people have given us about work, work, working backstage there, the people they worked with, what it was like to be in the theatre. Um, one, one funny little story that um, I like to tell was um, young boys, you, we, well, when that stage was first set up, people weren't allowed to um, show any parts of their body or anything, or uh, certainly not move. Um, and part of the a show that was there, I can't remember what the show is called now, but we've got a lot of information about the heritage, uh, about the um, Hippodrome Theatre in the Heritage Centre. But one of the shows that was on would be ladies kind of in, in bikinis, let's say, or scantily clad and there'd be young boys in the audience with pea shooters. And the ladies weren't allowed to move till the lights went down. The lights would go down, then they'd come up again and the ladies would have changed position. And they were not, part of the law was they weren't allowed to move. Um, but of course the boys with their pea shooters in the audience would <laughs> do, do that to, to make the ladies move and squeal. So that's one of the funny little stories that uh, someone's given me from there. I can just imagine that happening. So we're now outside um, Norwich Police Station. Um, unfortunately, people could have been locked up in cells um, in Norwich Police Station if they were um, if they were caught cottaging. Um, so um, and all that kind of brings us now um, way back to outside the forum. And um, if you want to continue with the walk, please do so. If you want to pause now. Um, please do so too, but we're back from, to where we started. But if you do want to continue with the walk, um, if you continue past the police station and turn left, you will find yourself right outside City Hall. Now, this was um, where um, Pride was really started its march. So Norwich Pride always starts its march outside City Hall. And it was, Norwich Pride was founded in 2009. Um, by some lesbians, um, local lesbians. And, you know, it's been so popular since then. It's just grown from strength to strength to threat strength. And the, the pride we went to in um, 2019, um, on, we had a town crier standing on the balcony of City Hall ringing his bell and he was saying instead of oh yay oh yay he was shouting oh gay oh gay oh gay and it's it was fantastic that, that unfortunately during the pandemic we weren't able to have a pride march they had we did have a virtual pride though um last year in 2020 but um yeah that's the next part of the walk starts outside there 
Um, so you're stepping in the footsteps of lots of other wonderful people who have taken part in Pride marches. Now, um, as you come, um, if you walk out in front of um, City Hall, um, you'll see the War Memorial. And um, there's a story there um, from some the, the UEA Society. The, um, the, I think it was called the Gay Society to start with. And um, when, they, when they first set up, at the UEA, they wanted to put some, something down on Armistice Day to mark the um, homosexuals that were persecuted in the Holocaust. Um, so they, they had a, a pink triangle wreath made and went to take it and actually placed it at the War Memorial. Uh, and for, there, we, we have uh, newspaper clippings for this. Um, unfortunately, it didn't go down too well that particular year and the wreath got thrown across the market, but the next day they picked up and, and put it back. Um, and then the following year, they, they tried to do the same again, but were asked not to please do it. Um, we now, of course, have Hol Holocaust Memorial Day, but at the time, which would have been in the... I'm trying to think the exact date there. I think it was the 70s um, that when this happened. And um, yeah, at the time we didn't have Holocaust Memorial Day, and you know it was there was no way really of marking all the, all these um, homosexuals that were kind of within the Holocaust. So um, yeah, wherever you walk in Norwich City, there's always some history. <laughs> and we're going to walk along now to the Guildhall, and um, they used to have trials in the Guildhall. So the, if you don't know where the what the Guildhall is, it's that fantastic Flint building that's right in front of you there. And um, it, um, it had trials there up until the 80s, believe it or not. And the cells underneath were still used up until then, up until then as well. If you do get a chance to go inside and go upstairs to see the old courtrooms and things, it, or it really is worth, it really is worthwhile um, having a look at that. Now, you're gonna to have to remind me if I'm upper goat or lower goat lane to go to the attic, James. Uh, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, it was Lower Goat Lane. Okay, so it's now there's now um, a restaurant there called Mumbo Jumbo's. So if you walk across from um, where the where the Guildhall is, and then um, there's a, 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 a shopping kind of row, let's say, an alleyway. I'm pretty sure it's Lower yep. Goat Lane, and um, as I say, it's now an upstairs kind of restaurant called Mumbo Jumbo's. Um, and, but it was during the 90s, it was called The Attic and it was a Sunday night venue really for people to go to. Um, I believe it was gay owned and there was free food, wasn't there? Did, did you used to go, James? I, I did, that's right. And um, yeah, I mean, so I, I suppose the kind of the, the thing that we did in the, uh, the start of the 90s was, you know, Saturday night you'd be going to the loft until two o'clock in the morning, uh, dancing the night away. And then uh, come Sunday evening, um, those who wanted to socialise further to finish and cap off the weekend would head up to the attic on uh, Lower Goat Lane. And uh, it basically, yeah, it was a little entry. You just went upstairs and uh, it was just quite a cosy little 
sort of uh, restaurant area inside where they'd cleared, put the tables on this to one side and would put food on there and uh, would also sort of come around with plates of sandwiches and different sort of little, uh, you know, cooked nibbles, uh, which were all free. And uh, it was a really nice kind of relaxed social environment where members of the Norwich uh, community could get together. Uh, it was mainly men, I have to say, and, uh, and, and just have a chat and a natter and a gossip and, uh, you know, and finish off the weekend, you know, and that would take place probably from about seven till 10 o'clock. Uh, I, when I went there, it was 1991. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was very nice kind of sociable uh, environment in there in those days. Oh, nice. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, because you've got loads more history of that than, than I could have probably written down. <laughs> so as we as we now go down, was it Upper Goat Lane? Uh, I'm pretty certain I have checked them out. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty certain it's Lower Goat Lane. We'll now find somebody will tell us it's Upper Goat oh, Lane. Okay. Uh, I'm almost certain it's Lower Goat Lane. <laughs> I'm, I might Google it in a sec and that well, as we're going along, hopefully people aren't, are now walking down the wrong road in Norwich <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> um, but as you as you get to the end of that lane, if you turn right um, and walk towards um, St John's Madder Market, th um, church so past the belgian monk pub on the I, I think actually the belgian monk pub is on the corner so between that and the church um if you walk down that lane there we're then we're now going to go to the madam market theater and and see the the theater that um nugent monk actually created um it was a former chapel and um it it seated 220 people there. Um, by 1933, he'd performed all 37 of Shakespeare's plays there. Um, so um, he opened that in September 1921. As I said, it was a disused chapel. And Madder Market, in case you don't know what Madder is, Madder is a scarlet dye that was used uh, for the wool industry, um, which Norfolk and, and Norwich are particularly um famous for um it's a scarlet dye so that's the madder market that would have been where the the dyes were i guess sold um but um nugent monk um really really um made a mark within the british theater scene um so he's you know quite well known and um, held in high esteem. And in fact, after he died, the couple that ran it afterwards were a gay couple too. And there's a little kind of cottage, which is um, attached kind of to it and also attached to what is now the Lanes Clinic. Um, that's where I think most of the people who worked, you know, who owned and worked there stayed if they could, um, unless they were having a breakaway. But uh, Nugent Monk's ashes are actually in inside the wall inside St John Madden Market's um, church there. So if you do get a chance to go in, they do often have open days. If you want to go and have a look, it is marked um, there as his ashes. Um, and Joe, I, I don't know if you're about to cover this, but uh, there's also the Charing Cross Centre opposite. Yes, I was just going to say that before they go into the church, if you look kind of across the churchyard, um, before you go into the church, uh, the Charing Cross Centre there, and um, they had quite a, a lot of different things going in. The Women's Centre was there. The les, uh, you know, lesbians had nowhere to go, and they they had uh, uh, places there. So that we have different posters for 
people like lesbians with children um you know and i believe the center group also met there at, at some point as well so that was quite an important um kind of building and norwich friend um was also based there uh for a number of years in fact when i came out in 1991 um i went there uh to, to meet somebody to talk through my feelings and uh to really just to understand sort of what it was like to be gay in Norwich and what the options were and places to visit um and again they used to do a monthly social which was open to both um women and men um and um it was yeah I mean it was really it was there and and, and I think the the phone line um which was offered to people by the library and other places uh, was also there as well and manned uh, on certain days of the week so people could make contact if they uh, if they uh, needed support or were in the process of coming out or you know or had any sort of uh, sexual health queries as well. Really, it really is important that that you know that that was there and um, of course um, I'm glad that, I'm glad you said the library is still handing out that information because really in during section 28 libraries were not supposed to promote in any way were they and um, Thatcher's line to section 28 um, said that libraries shouldn't have any information at all um, for um, promoting homosexuality so I'm glad that libraries did have the telephone number for gay friend um, and we haven't found evidence of that but um, you saying it is my evidence now James <laughs> Well, it was it was certainly in things like gay times yeah and i wouldn't be surprised if the library wouldn't have had something you know similar uh, or some kind of resource they could show to people even if it wasn't on public display yes yeah yeah because it's, it's not just a library it's a library and information service that we have in norfolk so yeah and we're very proud of it too <laughs> uh, but if you do look down the hill now from charing cross center you can see duke street car park um, that was a, a quite a well-known cottage actually and um, if you look further beyond that you if you've got really good eyesight or, or really good glasses you can see the golden star and I think that was a Sunday night venue as well the golden star pub um, but definitely across the road from that um, was the Duke Street gym and that was definitely a cottage a place to meet people and it's now part of the um, Norwich University of the Arts buildings, but it was actually a gymnasium was there. I don't know if they had saunas and things as well, but certainly um, people definitely used to meet there. So um, we won't walk down there today because it'll take us too far out of the way, but we'll, we'll continue if we've come back up the hill from um, the Madden Market Theatre and um, we've got our back to St. John Madden Market Church, we then turn um, left and um, we'll go to Exchange Street. Um, on the corner, we'd have Thorns DIY, I believe, if where we are now. But if you look down the street, there's 30, uh, number 34, um, which is next to, um, I think it's now the um, Homeopathic College of Medicine or something there. Um, but it's actually where the AIDS helpline operated from and the Gay Men's Health Project too which was run by lesbians. And um, so it, it was certainly run from there. So there's all the, within that area, there seems to be quite a lot of, you know, support kind of agencies and things as well. 
Um, we're going to cross now um, over to Bedford Street. So you're going across across the road, and you'll you'll have Gerald's on your right and Gerald Stationers on your left. And if you continue there down to Bedford Street, um, you'll get to a place called Karma Cafe, um, and and it's kind of on the corner um, opposite the Caribbean restaurant. Now, what's that called? It's a new restaurant. I don't know what that's called. <laughs> it might come to me in a little while. But it's on the, basically it's on the corner of Swan Lane and um, Bedford Street. And it was a place called Bedford's Grill or Hunter's Grill Club. Um, you had to have a meal ticket to go in, but it was operated like a club and you used to get to an entrance to it on Swan Lane. There's kind of like a, li a little doorway there. And um, you'd have to kind of have a meal ticket, if you like, kind of like a raffle ticket to say, yes, yes, I was going to have something to eat. Um, you know, that's the only way that people could operate clubs, nightclubs at the time. So this would have been 60s, 70s, I imagine, um, that, that this, is, this was kind of happening. But um, yeah, I believe that was where a few kind of, um, a nightclub kind of started up there as well. Um, and apparently had this um, black and white dance floor up there, which sounds pretty amazing. I, I think it was called Big Daddy's. Big Daddy's, uh, uh, yeah. The Big Daddy, the, uh, the, the owner, and, um, uh, and was a big pool. And um, the, uh, and, and yes, I mean, I think it was a, probably sort of just about the major, one of the major uh, venues in Norwich uh, at the time. There were one or two, but that was certainly sort of a big one. I mentioned in Gay News in the famous article in 1977 when they did a review of what was going on in Norwich uh, as well. Yeah. So Big Daddy's, and I believe that um, he also, in the latter years of the, uh, on um, Black Anna's place on um, Burr Street, in the, in the back room, there was a club there. The Jolly yeah, the Jolly Butchers. Um, there, there was, uh, he certainly for a time had, um, had the nightclub at the back there. But that's a different walk on a different day. So um, we'll we'll go up that way on another day. But um, yeah, well known for the for the nightclub scene, I think. Um, but also while we're here, um, with our back to let's say the Karma Cafe, um, which is the glass fronted building on um, on Bedford Street. If you look down the hill, the the alleyway there, and um, there was um, Bristow's Bookshop which I believe now is a bridal shop. Um, it's down Bridewell Alley. Um, and uh, the Bristow's Bookshop was one of the only places you used to get, get um, they used to be able to let the rooms to LGBT groups. They used to have stock of, um, you know, the gay news and things like that, that, you know, not a lot, not uh, certainly Menzies and um, WH Smith, you wouldn't be able to get them there. So you had to know the places where to get these. And sometimes they'd have copies in nightclubs and things as well. But um, he was actually, um, he was actually closed down um, at one point because um, the, of his materials that he was um, selling. So um, he was prosecuted um, under the Obscene Publications Act. Um, in 1973 and 1974. So um, it seems a bit of a shame when other venues as well were selling the same kind of thing. Um, I think it was because it was also kind of 
Um, it was also known for the anti-war um, protests during the Summer of Love, 1967. So quite well known as a, as a place, an alternative bookshop, let's say. It sounds great. I wish I'd have been able to you know, go to this bookshop. But is I, it I, also I wonder if... Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm just thinking, I wonder if, uh, what, you know, perhaps they were displaying uh, gay news or gay times openly because at that time, places like WH Smith... Uh, if they did have uh, gay times, they would display it on the top shelf in, it would be sealed in a brown paper package or something so you couldn't see it, you know, no. well, out, well out of visibility. So if they, if they were displaying it openly, then that might have raised a few sort of eyebrows at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, but the gentleman who owned Bristow's bookshop ad actually has a famous son called China Myville. He's a he's a um, comic book and sci-fi novel author. So um, yeah, that that's quite. I think that's quite interesting. So where are we now? We're now at the um, coming up to the junction. Um, if you what was the old NatWest Bank, and we've got Cozy Club there as well. But what we've actually got down the down the corner there is, of course, um, uh, the lovely shop that has been selling um, lesbian kind of um, earrings and um, all all kind all kinds of um, lovely stuff that she's been importing. Um, actually, one I believe a friend of yours as well, isn't she, James? Importing stuff from America since the seventies, she told me. So one of the only places you'd be able to find certain materials. Um, you know, definitely in the area. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I believe you're referring to Ananas Festival, yeah. uh, which is run by my friend Naomi and a uh, very good friends uh, now since 1990, actually. So over 30 years. And uh, she set up her first uh, uh, store, her first shop in Magdalen Street in 1988, before she went on to move to Potter, no, the Royal Arcade in uh, about 1990-91, and then from there to Pottergate in the mid-90s, and then to where she is now, which is a lovely 17th century weaver's cottage that you're talking about in uh, St Andrew's Hill, uh, top of St Andrew's Hill, near the Cozy Club, um, in, uh, I, I forget exactly when, but it was sometime in the, at the end of the noughties, I think. Um, and yes, I mean, she's always been very, um, uh, you know, uh, LGBT uh, supportive. Uh, I know I bought a, a coming out book from her in 1991, an American uh, book, I think it was called sort of Coming Out Right. And, uh, you know, sort of the lesbian and gay uh, novels, including comic novels. And um, so, yes, uh, and, and every Pride, uh, Naomi and uh, those who work with her uh, have decorated the window of the shop with rainbow flags and uh, really put on a fabulous display as well. So always well worth supporting uh, in Anna's, you know, in Anna's festival. Yes, but we're going to move back now towards the city and um, we're going to find the Castle Inn or the Castle Hotel. And it's also um, known then known in the 90s as the Werry. But the Castle Hotel, it, you could get to it from one side, you'd get to it from um, the back of the inns there or you'd, uh, you could get to it from Castle Meadow. 
and um, it was um, actually mentioned in the trial of the Royalists riots, uh, the Castle Inn was in 1648. Um, but we're taught with the, when it was the Castle Hotel, it was um, the downstairs bar in the 1970s that was a haunt of gay men, apparently. And we've got some very stylish pictures of it as well, of uh, how it was all fashioned out. But it was kind of on two levels, I believe. You'd kind of go in at one level, um, at street level, and then you'd kind of go up um, and come out on Castle Meadow kind of at a higher level but certainly um, where the building is. And I, I'm guessing it's actually now where Waterstones is. It's that kind of area where Waterstones bookshop is now. So um, yes, there's quite a bit of history to that if, if you do get a chance to um, have a look at the Castle Inn, but the Castle Hotel um, was, was a, a lovely venue apparently in the 1970s to go to. Um, and as, as we're um, just going back now towards the city, we're going to go past um, the body shop and um, on the corner of old post office court, we're going to kind of go there now and see, um, walk down old post office court, um, past the walnut tree shades, kind of face, if you have your back to the walnut tree shades, maybe walk a little further down the lane and um, down here in the late um 19th century so late 1800s i believe maybe um that it, that used to be a molly house there so a molly house would have been a place where uh have you got better words how to describe a molly house james well, a molly house was a name that was used certainly in prosecutions of the time in the 1700s 1800s the 18th to 19th centuries um to basically denote a place where uh, men met to have sex um, and uh, there are all kinds of other things that went on there as, as well like sort of there were mock births and people would dress up in women's clothes would give each other feminine nicknames um, uh, but uh, yes essentially it was a place where men would go to have sex and it would be a private sort of dwelling that would usually be run by somebody uh, for money and, uh, and we know that because of the prosecutions that took place in London, most famously in the 1720s. Um, but they, the, the Molly Houses sprung up again in the 1750s in London. Uh, and, and that went on into the 19th century as well. Thank you for explaining that for me. <laughs> You've got the more historical language, I think, than I have. <laughs> but um, that was that was actually um, one of um, one of our um, people who've shared their oral history with us. He he was kind of told by someone from the old when he was younger from the older generations of gay men that he'd been meeting that was where the Molly House was. So it's come from an oral history. But at the moment, we haven't really got any images or anything else in the Heritage Centre. So it's just come from those oral histories, um, which is quite interesting and a lot of our history is um, kind of shared that way as well. Um, so we're going to go now on through um, to the end of the old post office court onto um, Gentleman's Walk and you're going to be facing the wonderful Norwich Market now um, but in the 70s there used to be some Gentleman's Walk-in toilets which were kind of you had to go to um, underground and um, 
if um, there's a lovely photograph of them actually and there's kind of a, like a built-up wall um, at the front and that yeah you'd have to go steps down and they're quite a well-known cottage uh, there as well um, and there's a lovely image actually outside Norwich Market and there's someone kind of waiting outside smoking a cigarette and leaning on this wall outside the toilet so but um, they're probably still there I don't know if they bricked them up or just covered them up or they're certainly not there anymore and um I know there, there were over 50 cottages that were in Norwich and around Norwich city centre. Most of them were gents toilets and most of them are all kind of covered up unfortunately now and gone. Um, but um, in our other history walks, um, we can tell you a lot more about the other ones that we know about. But we're coming towards the end of our walk now and we're gonna carry on. Um, if we're looking towards the market, we're going to turn left and we'll walk up to what is now Primark and um, we, we shall, no, it's not Primark anymore. Yes, it is. It's still Primark, isn't it? Facing. Yeah. Yes, it is Primark. And um, we it's what the place that we're looking at now is the um, hay market. So um, on the corner, well, just before you get, get to get to um, Primark, I think it's, it was a picture house there. So um, if you can see next up at the top, you're in the right place, that's the hay market there. So the pitch house became the Gaumont and it opened uh, originally in 1911. Can you imagine that? Um, that's quite early, I think. And, um, the go and it was quite well known as a place, a venue to meet because it had very st um, steep stalls right at the top at the very back, which was where people used to meet apparently. And the usherette was so old, she couldn't get up there. So you'd have quite a bit of privacy apparently um, at the top there at the Gaumont. So um, it was enlarged in 1921. And then again in 1929, we've got some lovely, lovely images of it. It's, it's kind of where um, Topshop is now. And that's where, that's where it was. Um, so um, and we're, ne we're nearly done our journey back to the forum now. But if you um, walk up um, as if you are going towards next, but then turn right, um, and then there's an alleyway behind the back of St. John, sorry, St. Peter Mancroft's Church. And then you're at the back of the Saganet Wolsey um, public house. And if you walk up the back there, there's a little backyard and there used to be a toilet there and you can't see it now. There's kind of a, a, a little fence, but um, at the back there was apparently a cottage as well. So um, um, this is when, when, when we did our first um, history walk, this is where we finished and had a nice drink of beer. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone else wants to do the same, um, but we're, we're kind of back at the start now at the forum. This, this, I hope you've enjoyed listening and um, thanks, thanks for listening in. And we'll do, well, our next one will be around Magdalen Street, the cathedral. And so please join us for that one. Thank you. Thank you.